this final uh, Sunday, final Advent Sunday, um, final Sunday before Christmas. Uh, it's a good day. It snowed out there. It actually looks like Christmas. Um, God is good in so many ways. A um, couple quick announcements before we dive into things. Um, next Sunday, there is no service, no church service next Sunday. We'll get out an email, but if you could kind of pass that along. It uh, gives, gives our volunteers, etc., a break. Um, and so no service next Sunday. And then our first service of January is January 5th. Uh, after the service, there will be a very brief members uh, meeting just to... to uh, to clarify and to vote on the budget. And kind of online with that, you can talk to Tom and get more details, but um, I understand that uh, the finances have been coming in. We will end the year uh, in the black and even with some, with some, um, some um, money to, to move forward in the new year. Uh, Tom can give you more details and it probably will be more clarified June, uh, January the 5th, but God has been really good and people have been really good. And so... Um, we're thankful. Um, is there something else I'm supposed to? New Year's Eve. Yeah, we're going to have a a, um, a New Year's Eve party at our home. Uh, everyone's welcome to come, games, etc. Um, but um, we'll have more details on Facebook with that. Let me pray again because I need it. Okay, and then let's uh, let's dive in. Lord, um, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the incredible privilege we've already had just to come before you and pray. It's good to be reminded, Lord, even in our prayers, that we need to confess and we have so much to be grateful for. And But Lord, we are a people who need you. We need you in so many ways. I was talking to a gentleman today, Lord, who, who talked about how hard this time of year is. And there's probably people in this room that this is a hard time of year. Pray, Lord, that you give us eyes to see who they are and help us to come around them and comfort them. But, Lord, above all, I pray that you would comfort. But, Lord, we also are people who need your word. We need you to speak. and We, we need your spirit to, to help clarify and to, 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 to use that word in our life um, to shape and to mold us, to convict us, to reprove us, to rebuke us, Lord. We ask that you would do that even now. For Lord, if you don't speak, if you don't go before us, uh, uh, we are hooped. And so, Lord, I ask that you'd speak even now. Um, in your precious name we pray. Amen. Been looking over the last five weeks. Um, the series has been entitled Enfleshment, or you could say the Incarnation, where, where God became a man. And so in John chapter 1, 1, the, the Scriptures tell us the Word was God, and then when you go to John chapter 1, verse 14, we, we read the words, and the Word became flesh. Now we looked at the Gospel of Luke and, and, and how Luke actually articulates not necessarily how that happened, but some in some mysterious, remarkable way, the Spirit of God caused Mary the Virgin to be with child. We read that again in Matthew. We've been really focusing 
over the last little while on the humanity of Jesus because so often we focus on his deity, and we ought to, but we've been focusing a lot on his humanity, how he became a man, how he became a human, and and the importance of that. Today I want to switch gears slightly, and I want to zoom in on the chapter 2 that uh, David read and the story of the wise men specifically, and I'd like us to see, in a very simple, simple outline, I'd like us to see the supernatural, the extraordinary. Kind of the wow factor. I'd like us to see the supernatural star and the supernatural awakening and, and the supernatural joy. Because I believe it is supernatural in each of these situations. Most um, Bible commentaries, particularly those outside of the, uh, the, the, the frame that sees the Scriptures as authoritative and from God, would take the story that we just read and just simply see it as a story. Not history, not God's story, but just a story. Myths, um, something that didn't really happen and, and I think the reason why they do that is because it's so extraordinary. It's so out of this world. It's so supernatural. There's also, I think, the temptation in a lot of circles to, to actually try to explain how these things could happen in the context of just natural nature. And so, for example, the, the, the star... It could be what they saw was a comet. It could be what they saw was a supernova. It could be what they saw was a lining of the planets. But I think, as I read Matthew, I, I think what's happening is God did something actually supernatural. He, he did something out of the ordinary. We'll, we'll dive into it. I really would love us to see the supernatural in this story this morning. Let's begin with the supernatural star. Verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We're not told what exactly they saw, or, or, but it, doesn't, it seems like they saw the star. Then if you go down to verse uh, 9, after listening to the king, King Herod, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went, up, went before them until it came and rested over the place where the child was. It looked like they saw the star before they left home. After they get to Herod, the star reappears and actually leads them to Bethlehem and rests over the house. And, and we read that and we go, well, how does that happen? What's going on there? We don't know. We don't know. What we do know, Genesis chapter 1, we read these words, Genesis chapter 1, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. 
and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years and and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. If God spoke the stars into existence, cannot God speak a star into existence on the night or prior to the birth of his son? Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. The thought is, as you look into the skies, either the night sky or even in the day sky, you look into the heavens and, 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 and the psalmist is telling us these things scream out to us yell out to us, speak to us that God is beautiful and glorious and and magnificent. Matt last week talked about how he's always amazed at at, at the creation and those um, everything starting from bigger, little. Little and just going out and out and out and out and out and you see the power and the wonder of God and it's just like, whoa, this is what God has done. I thought that was beautiful how he articulated that. This week I was reading, not only do the heavens declare God's power, but the heavens declare God's goodness. When the sun comes out and warms your back on a cold day, are you not reminded of how good God is? The heavens declare the glory of God and and at the birth of his son, God uses a star to declare his glory, to point the wise men in the direction. How they knew, we don't know. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. Balaam, who was called to come and curse the nation of Israel, never was able to curse the nation of Israel, was only able to speak blessings upon them. And in chapter 24, verse 17, he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. The Jewish people always saw this as a a, a, a picture of the coming Messiah. And it's interesting, in Matthew, it seems like he actually copies some of the language. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. In some supernatural, extraordinary way, God, for whatever reason, used a star to get the attention of some wise men from the east to declare His glory, to declare the birth of His Son. Supernatural star. But uh, but I also see in Matthew a supernatural awakening where... where God awakens these wise men. Who are these wise men? The The... the, the, the the, the, the word that we've often heard is magi. That's from the Greek. They um, are from the east. They could have been the Medes. They could have been Persians. They could have been from Babylon. We, we don't know. There's speculation, but we really don't know. We don't know if there's three of them or if there's a many of them. There's three gifts, but we're not sure how many there were. Maybe there was a huge entourage 
that comes into Jerusalem looking for the, the king of Israel, the king of the Jews. What we do know, that back in the book of Daniel, the, the, uh, the, and, and, and elsewhere in Scripture, but particularly in Daniel, the wise men are the magi, um, were kind of frowned upon in Scripture. We read in Matthew in Daniel chapter 1, verse 20, And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which a king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And he's talking about Daniel and his three friends. How they were ten times wiser than the, the magicians, the enchanters, the wise men, the magi. It's interesting to me that that God would go out of His way to awaken, to speak to, not just shepherds, but these wise men from a, a, a distant land. And tell them. It's quite possible in, in the city of Babylon there was a large Jewish population. In that city there was probably a lot of them who could not only had been studying uh, the Jewish writings, but the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel actually points to the coming of Christ. And it's quite possible that they were, they were anticipating, and, and these were wise men that were truly wise. They were looking and seeking truth. But however they came to it, whether it was through the Scriptures or whether it was a dream or, or how they came to this, God in His grace and His mercy supernaturally pointed them to the birth of the King of the Jews. To me, that's remarkable. Totally remarkable. These were foreigners. Hadn't God called His own people? Isn't it interesting the Magi come? They expect that He must be going to be born in Jerusalem. They come to Jerusalem. That's where the King of the Jews should be born, no? They come to Herod. They're looking for some help. Herod goes and he actually asks the chief priests and the scribes, likely the Sadducees and the Pharisees, uh, whether he actually called them in together or actually called them apart at different meetings to see if both were saying the same thing. It's interesting that they do say the same thing. The chief priests. Interesting there's chief priests plural. Usually that was a, a, an office that you held forever for life. But under King Herod, uh, the chief priest was often removed and somebody else was put in. Another family member was put in that position. And so they would carry that name. But he calls them in and says, okay, where is this king supposed to be born? And they actually go to the Scriptures they would have known the Scriptures better than the wise men. And they actually go to the book of Micah, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. We looked at that last week, and he says, well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. It's interesting that in faith they simply say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Not the one who's going to become the king of the Jews, but the one who is the king of the Jews. This is, this is these... Wise men. And, and, and these scribes, they gather and they hear and they, they, they were, were told 
they know the answer, but what, I, what floors me is why didn't they go to Bethlehem with these guys? Why didn't they get on their donkeys and, and head out with them? Why didn't they follow? Weren't they, weren't they amazed? Weren't they puzzled? Weren't they curious? Weren't they... Instead, we're told that Herod was troubled, as was all of Israel, all of Jerusalem. It's a good book in a number of places, but let me just go to one of those places, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3. The Old Testament continually points to a time when the nations will come to Israel, when the nations will come. Isaiah 2, verse 3, And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountains of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may, might teach us His ways, and that we might walk in His paths. And so the beginning of the book of Matthew, you see, you see the beginning of that fulfillment. It's starting to take place. The nations are coming. They're coming to Christ. At the end of the book of Matthew, he tells his disciples, go to the nations and make disciples of all nations. Supernatural awakening. Uh, last week we looked at how God, for whatever reason, he, 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 he has an angel come and speak to shepherds. And then this choir breaks out in song. It tells the shepherds of what's going on, praising God. They get a peek into heaven for a moment. God in His grace opens their eyes and allows them to see something. Why didn't He go to the chief priests? He went to the shepherds. Why did he open the eyes of the wise men? Not, uh, I don't know. But God is gracious. You know, sometimes I think I take being a Christian for granted. When Peter cried out, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God in Matthew 16. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. <laughs> Peter, the reason you know this is because my Father has revealed this to you. Jesus says something very similar in Matthew 11, verse 20, 25, I believe it is. He says this, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. As a follower of Christ, when I stand before the Lord either in the context of prayer or in that final day, I will not be able to say, look what I've done. But I will have to say, Lord, thank you for what you've done. 
Thank you for opening my eyes, helping me see. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. As I walk through this life, it should be a life of humility. Because I, like the shepherds, God has, for whatever reason, revealed. Now, that doesn't mean we're not responsible. The scribes and the, and the chief priests, they had the Scriptures. They knew what the Scripture said, but they didn't follow in obedience. They didn't respond. For whatever reason, these wise men literally traveled for, depending on where they're from, but likely a long, long ways away. There's a supernatural star. There's a supernatural awakening. But there's also the supernatural joy. We saw these words in Luke as well with the shepherds. We see it again with the kings or the wise men, whether they're kings or not. That maybe that's just because of the song I sang when I was a kid. But but when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It doesn't say when they saw the star they were happy. He Matthew wants us to notice that they were overwhelmed. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I say supernatural joy because according to Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc., joy is a fruit of the Spirit, which means joy actually comes from not from within, but comes from out external. God gives that joy. The Spirit gives that joy. Now we're commanded to rejoice in the Lord always, and so there's a responsibility on our part to, to, to put our, to our, our, our mind and our, our heart and, and our emphasis, our, our, our joy should be in the Lord. And so what is it that we're pursuing? And I think the wise men, as they traveled, they, they, the closer they got, and as they saw the star, they understood this is where the king was. They were filled with this great joy. Supernatural joy, supernatural awakening, supernatural star. As God becomes a man and, and all these remarkable things happen. Extraordinary remarkable things. Revelation. This is where I'd like to close. In Revelation chapter 19, we see this word rejoice again. Revelation 19, verse 6, 7, and 8. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. 
Oh, this is this is the rejoicing, not at the babe in the manger or the babe in the house a couple of years later. This is the rejoicing of the king on his throne. This is the rejoicing of the church and the bride coming together, the bridegroom coming together for the first time for the for, for eternity. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is this is the greatest moment in history. This is let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. But if you know Revelation at all, Revelation 18, the very previous chapter, is the fall of Babylon, the fall of the world. The fall of humanity, the fall of human systems and philosophies. And as Babylon is burning, there is this picture of kings that are and, and people that are weeping and mourning because the city is gone that they love. And in Revelation chapter 19, you have the people of God rejoicing because they're with the Lamb of God on that great last day. I, I think the scribes and the chief priests, along with so many, even though they had the Scriptures in their hand and they knew the Word of God, actually loved the world more than they loved their God. And they could not be bothered to go with these wise men to find king of the Jews. The wise men, on the other hand, uh, were not so enamored with the things of this world, they actually gave those things away to the king. They were enamored with the king of the Jews, the Christ child. And as I look at the scriptures, there's really two kinds of people. There are those who will weep and mourn when they see the world destroyed and the things that they love destroyed. And there are those who will rejoice when they see the Lamb of God honored and glorified. And I think that joy is supernatural. As we got away this past week, I had the privilege to just sleep a lot, eat a lot, not that I needed that. And the incredible privilege to read a lot. And as I was reading and thinking and praying and considering things, talking with Lynn, uh, Tom's prayer kind of hit me this morning. Because that's kind of where I was at this week. How, how I, 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 I desire so much. I love so many things of this world more than I love the Lord Himself. And the challenge for me was to pursue this Lord, to, to rejoice in Him. The challenge for me was to say, Lord, would you give me such joy with increasing measure? Lord, forgive me for not having such joy. Lord, may I be like the wise men and rejoice exceedingly with great joy. And Lord, I long for the day when I can be in, the, in Your presence for eternity. 
And when I get there, it's like Psalm 5-7 that I started today's service with. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. <laughs> not, not, not because of my steadfast love, but because of his. The Incarnation. God became a man. His humanity is so important. But don't lose sight of his deity. Don't lose sight of the extraordinary, the supernatural. The supernatural, the supernatural star, among other things, the supernatural, a supernatural awakening and a supernatural joy. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. But as Lynn and I so talked this week, uh, that love is, is so shallow. I st I'm still enamored by the, the, the glittery things of this world. Forgive me. Lord, I would like to think that if the wise men showed up at my front door, and I pointed them in the right direction from your word, I would actually follow them and go with them and rejoice exceedingly with great joy upon seeing you. Lord, I pray that as we enter this brand new year in 2020, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that have, with increasing clarity would be a people that would pursue you and rejoice in you enjoy you we'd be a people that would with increasing clarity be humble because you've opened our eyes lord we would be a people lord that would stare into the heavens and give you the glory for your both your power and your goodness and together with the heavens we would we would declare your glory to the nations. Lord, would you supernaturally do a work in us, even here at Community Grace? It's your name we pray. Amen.